0: strategies to improve your life that's pretty much right. what i do you don't have
1: a script pad no, no. script pad. okay no i do though i can write <laughs> no, you my last name is feldman they take anything i put on a script <laughs> they'll pad. just take like, any piece of paper you write on it just to it suits yeah i
0: mean i could write anything for you and just sign it it won't it won't mean anything but
1: what do you need dave <laughs> we're rolling by the way what do you need what pills do you need i mean
0: i don't
2: need viagra i just want to try it
1: have you tried yeah, love cool. Have now, you tried an emotional bit, man, connection? We'll talk later, but uh, you don't need Viagra. I mean, you need to be emotionally connected with the other person. And that doesn't come with a, a pill. That comes with alcohol. Alcohol. You. Try alcohol.
0: We can, we can have some real animal sex talk sometime. That'll be the prescription.
1: <laughs> I'm glad you added talk at the My end of that. Doctor. <laughs> well, I have a friend who's a veterinarian, and he... He told me all about what they have to do to, with the with the horses and the uh, the wooden horse. They put the hover and they put someone inside it, and it is uh, what it is pretty disturbing. What is this?
0: Oh well, yeah. I was talking more about wild animal uh, sex talk, you know, to help uh, you know to help. My friend uh, was a doctor. Of, my friend was a doctor of veterinary medicine, and he uh, he had to watch as a man, a very low paid man, got inside of a wooden crate. That they tricked the horse into thinking it was another horse, and then he had to manually stimulate the horse from inside the, the
1: box. Yeah. Uh, are they hiring? Or, are they looking for somebody yeah. to do that for
0: uh, some pig farmers? They they, they usually uh, I forget which country it is, but um, they they there's special people that are just hired to please the female pigs to get them ready to be artificially inseminated because we yeah. have to be in the mood.
2: And here's the problem with that. <laughs> I. You would assume that's a very high-paying job, right? You would assume that that guy has a condo somewhere. It's very little.
1: All right. Thank you, Dave. It's the worst part of capitalism. (laughs) Thank you, Dave. Joining us is Dr. Jennifer Vertolin. She is the author of two great books, Wild Connection, What Animal Courtship, and Mating Tell Us About Human Relationships. And raised by animals, a surprising new science of animal family dynamics with triad home lessons from the wild and wild connection t v you have a new Hi. episode: how to flirt oh. like an animal
0: <laughs>
1: animals well, flirt
0: oh absolutely, oh my gosh, uh, they all have different strategies. I would say that uh well hang know, on for we, one second
1: when you say flirt there yeah. there there are certain people, humans, who think of flirting as the end, not the means. Do animals flirt for the sake of flirting, or they flirt as foreplay?
0: Okay, I don't know these people that flirt just as the end. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think there are some people who just enjoy flirting. Um, most flirting in animals, uh, in other animals, is really about you know, trying to uh, show your interest, perhaps entice the other to find you interesting and decide if there's a mutual connection, which is kind of what I think about human flirting. I mean, I like to flirt a lot and I did it just the other day, um, unsuccessfully, but I I hadn't done it in a while because there's no contact happening between people. So, you know, I think that most animals And perhaps most people, you know, when we're attracted to another, we might flirt. Whether that is because we're looking to actually, you know, engage uh, beyond flirting is a different question.
1: So you're saying some animals do flirt just for the sake of flirting. Just it's nice to know that you're wanted.
0: Well, I think that I don't know what they're consciously thinking, but not all flirting in other species leads to the next step.
1: Okay, And I've noticed with the elderly, they flirt even though they can't do any follow up on that.
0: Um, I don't know where you get your data, but there's lots of elderly people following up. That's why sexually transmitted diseases are rampant in senior living facilities.
1: Old people are having sex.
0: Yes, they're breaking hips, shoulders, and getting um, herpes. So.
1: How, how? I mean, old? they
0: are active, very active.
1: How old?
0: I don't know. I, I don't know any of these people, but it's a well-known fact that sexually transmitted diseases are kind of running rampant in senior living facilities.
1: Aren't there laws to protect us from even thinking about
0: that? Well, you know, I I don't know. But, you know, since women outlive men, I mean, there's been so many movies and comedies made about this. Right. Where like when uh, my my aunt who moved into a senior living facility, I I, she was there three days. I went to visit her. uh, This was uh, maybe a year ago. And boy, uh, she had so much male attention uh, because she was fresh, you know, fresh female on the scene. And, uh, and he, he then moved to a table of five ladies, you know, where he got all... So, so there's more women than men uh, in these facilities. And So, so if a guy the, is
1: like 90, let's yeah. say there, there are people like, you know, 100. Sure. If they flirt with an 80-year-old, does that... Do they... At, at what age does it not make a dis- difference?
0: I, I don't know. I mean, I think, uh, you know, my aunt is 80, and probably she would think somebody who was 85 was really old. You well, know, they are. My grandmother was 78, and we lived in Florida, and she thought she'd hated it because there was just too many old people.
1: Well, you can't, it's not good to <laughs> hang out with old
0: yeah, people. Yeah, that's what she thought. She said, these people are, you know, these people are too old for me.
1: How do so, other animals treat old people? Because we're not really good, at least Americans. Right. Some people think we shouldn't that we should get rid of nursing homes, that this is not...
0: Oh, it's a very different... Um, well, it depends on the species, right? If you're, if you're talking elephants and uh, orcas, also known as killer whales, there, you know, you're talking animals that might be living 60 to 100 years old on the orca side uh, and, you know, the 100. Um, and, and on the elephants, you know, could be 50, 60, um, and, and they're usually in charge. They have all the knowledge. And it's, it really reflects more traditional cultures that we have in humans. Uh, and even some of our cultural sayings that we simply don't really follow anymore, right? Respect your elders. Um, and I think that uh, it depends, right? If you're an old lion, an old male lion, and nobody likes you and they all beat the crap out of you. And you pretty much spend your time wandering around alone till you die. That's very different than older females in that system. So I think it depends on, and if you're a ringtail lemur or a shafaka lemur, you might, you know, be tired of the old male that's in the group, and you beat them up and kick them out and get a younger one. Uh, so Do they
1: have nursing homes in the animal kingdom?
0: Uh, most animals don't live to their full physical capacity in the wild, so, you'll find that captive animals will live much longer than they might in the wild because they're getting routine medical care, there's interventions, they're always given a source of food, there are no predators, Right? there, there, there just isn't the challenges um, that they face. And this is also, when you think about humans, our, our longevity has only been extended because of intervention, medical intervention. Right. The average lifespan still in many places around the world is like 45, 47 for humans hmm. because we get infections. We break a leg. We, you know, accidents happen. So so most animals don't live to the full ripe age. That's also why we don't usually see menopause in in female, other female animals, with the exception of some primates, um, orcas and elephants uh, where menopause where they actually live long enough to be post-reproductive.
1: Okay. We have a question from Dave. What is your question for Dr. Jennifer Vertolin? Hi, Dr. Jen. Hi, um, Dave. Alo- now, Dave, are you a scientist? With- Dave?
2: I am uh, I'm a microbiologist. Oh,
1: fun. Does that mean well, you're I- a small biologist or you study cells? <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> I- I'm pretty small. Okay. But I, I also study self. okay, well, I guess, I guess along the same subject, I just read something somewhere about orangutans mm-hmm. about how it's possible that 50% of them have broken bones because they fall out of trees. Now, what happens after they fall? Like, are they able to get, uh, any kind of not medical care, not like traditional, but do animals heal themselves from bone bone breaks? I know, I know in the, the show there was something about when animals get sick they seek out this kind of mud where they eat this medicinal mud to, mm-hmm. to cure themselves. What about broken bones?
0: So that's and really interesting. Know? I mean different species, uh, I think it's going to depend on the severity of the break. I, they don't do anything to my knowledge of like setting a bone, right? Um, And they are more likely, I mean, fractures tend to heal on their own, even in people, whether or not you can, you're as as coordinated and as fast after you heal might depend on the severity of the fracture. Different species, so gorillas tend to have fewer fractures uh, just because they're not usually canopy driven, right? They're more on the ground. Uh, Orangutans actually spend a fair amount of their time on the ground. And I'm curious, so it's a great question, Dave. I, I, you know, I'm not sure that I can give a complete answer. Um, I know that a lot of, you know, ethnobotany is, is sort of the study of the medicinal properties of different plants and, and compounds. Animals and people who live close to each other uh, use the, some of the same plants from the forest. Uh, so there's this sort of mutual knowledge across species. So, whether or not they apply anything specifically for fractures, I don't know. But I do think that the ability to survive a fracture is going to depend on your age, the height that you fall. Um, you know, uh, younger animals tend to fall the most because they're the least experienced, but accidents happen, um, especially in chimpanzees. You might see this because there can be hunting chases that are happening up in the canopies when they're coordinated and hunting monkeys, um, when there are fights among individuals, which also is more likely to happen in chimpanzees. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's fascinating, you know, accidents happen and probably just like with us, fractures, depending on their severity will heal and won't get an infection, right? I think if it breaks the skin, uh, it's probably a fatal, you know, injury.
1: We're talking with Dr. Jennifer Verdolin. Her two books are Wild Connection, When Animal Courtship and Mating Tell Us about human relationships and Raised by Animals, The Surprising New Science of Animal Family Dynamics with Tried Home Lessons from the Wild. Subscribe to Wild Connection TV. We have a question that Lane wrote and then we'll go to Magnus. But speaking of animals... There are some who flock to the chat room, and they are disgraceful. This, this Dave was talking about orangutans falling from trees, and I accidentally read what was going on in the chat room. Brad wrote, when they break a bone, they use a banana splint. <laughs> what kind of animal would type something like that? Or... <laughs> uh, when the, they, when they break their bones, they call Life Alert. Uh, I've
0: fallen and I can't get up. Th- these are oh, these are bad, so
1: bad people who show up to to distract and disturb, and uh, somebody has to police the chat room. It's just disgraceful. I
0: don't know. I'm inspired by the cleverness. I, I got to be honest. I, I mean, it that that's funny. Life
1: I Alert. Oh, I know Life Alert. Oh, and I called. When I call them a microbiologist, somebody wrote a microphallic biologist. Oh.
0: This is was, they,
1: they, Lane.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good stuff. Good yeah, I stuff. know.
1: I know. I try not to read it. I get distracted. Lane writes, "Coco, my dog, seems to be in love with my left leg." <laughs> I have, I have, I, <laughs> this is a serious question. Go. <laughs> CoCo, my dog, seems to be in love with my left leg. I have arthritis and arthritis in both legs, but my left one is completely goosed. non Both pun both intended and not. My left leg. Uh, goosed. That goosed. I guess that's a He's British. Every night, he licks all of my left foot and mm-hmm. then up my leg and back down. And then he lies on it as if to keep it warm. Does he think he's fixing me?
0: Um, wait, so he's not humping the leg. Well, he, just, he
1: is in love with licking. his left leg.
0: Okay, well, there's very... I guess there's different definitions of love here. So if, it's, if the dog is just, like, licking the leg and then laying on the leg, that's not the same thing as the dog humping the leg. So I... Without clarity, um, if I'm going to go with uh, just the licking and the laying on the leg. Uh, I'll give the answer for that. I, I don't know uh, if the dog is sensing there's something off about that leg more than the other or off in general. What we do know is that many animals, dogs and cats, have an ability to sense um, things that are wrong with us. And respond accordingly in some way that is, um, you know, we might say uh, is compassionate or is uh, doing something. It might be simply that the dog senses something is different about the, the leg and is behaving in that way, not necessarily thinking that makes you feel better. Right. Mm. It's just um, it's it's sort of uh, like cats can sniff out cancer So if you, a cat might lay on a person's chest and sniff longer and stay there. And sometimes that's a sign of, of cancer dogs who can sense seizures, they behave in a certain way. So, you know, but that's different than if the dog is humping your leg. So
1: do they have like inflatable blow up legs for your dog when you're not in the mood?
0: Well, I mean, some dogs do, like, engage in, let's just say, play with toys. Um, <laughs> so so the, if a dog is acting out in the sense of, and I don't mean acting out negatively, I just mean, like, acting out physically, um, you know, on a toy or on a person. For a toy, it could just be a sense of arousal. It could also feel good, you know. I mean, you know, let's be honest. Lots of animals, including humans, play with toys to make themselves right. feel good. Um, if they're if they're uh, engaging with a live person, there could be different reasons. It could be arousal, uh, and and it could just be a state of excited arousal, not necessarily sexual arousal. And it could also be dominance, right? Um, essentially, um, lots of animals will engage in same sex sexual behavior that is really about asserting dominance and not necessarily about sex.
1: But is it pleasurable? For whom? (laughs) The one who's asserting dominance.
0: But again, that's not about pleasure, right? So um, many animals will mount the same uh, mount individuals just as a, a an expression of dominance.
1: But I would assume given the behavior of men I've worked for Mm-hmm. that there's something pleasurable to that.
0: I mean, perhaps, but I don't know that it, I would define pleasurable in that case slightly different. It might be psychologically pleasurable without necessarily having to be physically pleasurable. Sometimes dogs will swap, right? Like you 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 mount and then you swap. And this is also a form of play, uh, right? Where, where it's not really an aggressive, um, I'm not recommending this for people with their dogs, but I'm just talking about dogs in general. They may, they may mount each other and take turns as a, and they're not doing anything. So there's no sexual pleasure, right? They might be playing. Um, they're showing balance in their relationship. And sometimes it's dominant and that can be aggressive, depends on the, the dogs and, and their interaction. And for people and dogs, it'll depend on the relationship. Uh, most of the time I think it's just over stimulation and over excitement. You know from a setting a social setting or a situation
1: right let's go to the land of flight attendants sweden where flight attendant magnus is standing by what is your question flight attendant magnus uh,
3: i actually forgot my question I got distracted by a, a bottle of tequila uh,
1: you're in sweden is that correct
3: uh si. Salud.
1: Yes, it's a nation of flight attendants, right? That's where all flight attendants come from.
3: This whole pickle juice thing, I don't know. Ma'am.
1: Okay, go ahead. What is your question for Dr. Jennifer Vertel and Magnus? Uh, I don't know, I forgot.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but it's nice talking to you. Oh, uh, nice to talk to you, too. you, you were... so, uh, Okay, I actually have a question for Dr. Vertle that is uh, on the subject as well. Is that a cat?
1: Is that a cat what? you interrupted my question god this flight attendants are so rude yeah, these but it, days.
3: Is, it is a it is a cat indeed. all right what is your question well, listen, my question for dr berlin is how you doing
0: <laughs> I, I, i'm great thank you i appreciate it good, good. I, I appreciate it <laughs>
3: let's, let's talk sometime
0: oh okay i feel like i'm being flirted with
3: yeah that was the point (laughs) why don't you
0: i guess we'll flirt for the sake of flirting because you're in sweden and i'm in america and they're not letting us fly anywhere
3: (laughs) but
1: he's a flight attendant so he can fly anywhere
3: i see here's the thing we're we're both making a mess of it so why don't we open the border between our the right. Well, there um, you go. Yeah.
0: And you actually have a, a lovely voice. I'm a big fan of voices. You know, animals like birds also are very attracted to uh, different voices uh, of of other birds. So, uh, so yeah, I, I have a you have a nice deep voice. So,
1: Magnus, yeah. Doctor Jennifer Verdolin has a PhD. Ask the question.
3: <laughs> well, I'm done. I
1: did the abyss. This, the Nietzsche question. The I,
3: okay, uh, I don't have he, it in front of me. All right, he, you ask this
1: question it. of every uh, PhD yeah, exactly, we have on exactly. the show.
3: Okay. Yeah, but we'll skip the quote this time. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar No, no, with it. do it next uh, week.
1: Get it ready for next week. Do it right. Do you, do the, yeah, okay, okay. Okay. Give me some prep time. Okay, thanks. thank you, man. He has a quote about the abyss. Let's okay. go to Texas. Hello, Texas? Travis, are you there?
2: Yes, sir. Can you hear me?
1: Yes, I can, sir.
2: Okay. I had a question uh, regarding uh, uh, children and dogs and uh, how uh, uh, the doctor would uh, uh, suggest a child uh, uh, handle a big dog that's attempting to mount them. Oh. We were... We were uh, dog sitting for a sounds like the
1: seat. dog was doing the sitting <laughs> <laughs> and uh,
2: okay. I didn't know how to handle the situation so I was just
0: trying to keep the dog from the kids yeah no so so that's that is an absolute I, I would say clear cut dominance issue and, and I would say that if you were dog sitting then I'm assuming it was not your dog yeah, so I wouldn't bring a child over to that house with yes, that dog. There's clearly some issues with behavior management or personality of that. You know, so a, lot, a lot of dogs don't necessarily have experience with children. Um, it's really going to depend on how those owners have really, you know, positively trained that dog. I had a Great Dane who one time attempted to exert, let's just say, dominance over me. And he weighed 185 pounds. And, um, you know, the only way I handle I not don't, I don't physically, uh, you know, uh, uh, reprimand animals. Like, that's just not really the way to um, do proper training, in my opinion. So in my case, you know, whenever I experience a dog jumping on me from the front, jumping on me from the side, any kind of jumping on me, I simply step away, turn my back, and continue turning my back and completely ignore the animal. Children are a little bit more vulnerable because uh, they're, they're smaller and they may not realize that it's, you know, potentially what, what's happening is really a dominance thing. So the adults have to be the one. I'm not sure what you did, but, but you said that you kept, you just tried to keep the child and the dog separate, which was smart. In, in this case, uh, not because necessarily the dog would have harmed, but, but a, a dog can't be permitted to exert that kind of physical dominance over a person. and Just like people shouldn't try to exert physical dominance over a dog, this is a relationship, and there have to be boundaries. There's some pretty easy ways to establish those boundaries, and it, and it just takes a willingness to be consistent and ignore behavior you don't like and reinforce behavior you do like. So there's a dog that I recently interacted with who just loves to jump on you and I just love not being jumped on. So I simply cross my arms, turn my back, and completely ignore the dog and move away every time it jumps. But I'm a grown-up and I'm able to do that Um, and it it generally what happens is that dog won't jump on me. It doesn't necessarily mean it won't jump on others. Right. Who allow it.
1: Right. Thank you. I, I have a great Dane who won't stop uh, jumping on me and mounting me. So I took him to the vet to, <laughs> to get his toenails clipped. It's an old joke. Let's go to uh, oh. <laughs> it's an old joke. That's, oh my gosh. That's an old oh joke. Gosh. <laughs> Pete. Oh. Pete in Southern California.
2: Hello, Doc. Is this Pete? Yes, hello, Dr. Jen. I, yes, I would like to... Yes, this is Pete.
1: Oh, are I you a, like a flight to attend attendant, too? Uh,
2: no, I don't need to be. I'm in L.A.
1: Oh, but you sound like you have a flight attendant accent.
2: <laughs>
1: are you from yes. Sweden? Anyway,
2: anyway, seriously, um, we I have two dogs. Um, one is a female, one's a male. The younger, female one. Uh, we used to... We, Give her bed, you know, she would have a regular standard dog bed, Uh except she always liked to hump it. And, and, I mean, really got...
1: What did it look like? What did the bed look
2: like? Well, it was a standard round one. Oh, yeah.
1: Go slowly, go slow.
2: Yeah, it didn't look like anything except the bed. Um, and and we had to, and she would get real protective and vicious if you tried to approach her during those times. <laughs> she would stay all day with this bed and and hump it for a while, then stop, then lie on it, then hump. And it, we have to keep them uh, in the closet now. She doesn't, and she would do the same with big pillows
3: mm-hmm. and
2: um, <laughs> let her get near big pillows either. Um, <laughs> I mean, she, it's her personality is, normally she's very affectionate, but she got so vicious and protective and mm-hmm. possessive. Possessive, um, right. yes. Yeah. I've, I've, she,
0: it, and I assume she doesn't do that with food or treats or toys. No. Yeah.
2: Well, no, no, no. Just well, big things well, like... Well,
0: uh, wait, you said well, so is there a little bit of that?
2: Well, no, I, I guess it has to be a big thing like a pillow or the bed. Okay. I mean, a giant pillow, not regular pillows but. okay yeah so once we take those objects away she doesn't do that you know sure. she doesn't do it to the other dog oh. or to our legs or anything like that right Just those. yeah
0: that's interesting i mean clearly uh you know she forms an attachment <laughs> and considers those hers her property her partner for mm-hmm. whatever those purposes are so I mean, it sounds, so when those things kind of happen with our pets, I, I think what you did is the right thing. You just remove them from the environment because otherwise you can have some negative consequences and it's not the dog's fault that it forms this attachment to an object and mm-hmm. will defend it, um, but you don't want aggressive um behavior so no so, so well done well done on just keeping those you know out of sight out of mind at least for a dog i w- wish it was that way for people <laughs> but what is she thinking i don't uh, know but she's behaving right is if that is um it is a uh I don't know what to call it. Right. Like I can't I don't want to say mate. That's not right. But but a a possession. Right. That is a prized possession. So I was on a I, I worked on a documentary called Spy in the Wild. And there's this little clip of this camera. It was a robotic tortoise and a chimpanzee found it and decided it was his and took it up into its nest and tried to hide it and got very upset when other chimps were curious and tried to get near it and, and really, you know, screamed and, and, and flung leaves at them and, and just was super protective of this tortoise, which was unexpected, let's just say. So, you know, what animals are thinking any more than what people are thinking? I mean, I know people who act that way about French fries. I don't know what they're thinking, that someone will take it, that they don't want to share it that there's only one of it, and it's theirs. So ownership is kind of an interesting um, process, mental
1: process. Let me ask you a rude question, but we started talking about people who are paid to satisfy pigs, Uh and I'm not talking about our first lady. Um, Interspecies, can a cat and a dog living in your home, fall in love, and have relations, physical relations? Does that happen well, in the wild?
0: So I think you're conflating two things, falling in love and, and having physical relations, right? So I think that um, different species can form really strong, powerful relationships, friendships. And we see this happen a lot. Uh, domestic animals do this all the time. And even some wild animals form really strong, loving friendships um, that are a bit unusual. And they may change over time, but but they happen in periods of time. That's very different than um, reproducing or attempting to reproduce or having sex. So for most species, there's some kind of barrier to having sex with somebody that is not your own species. And it's not a law like we have to have for people. Um, it is a physical barrier, or a behavioral barrier, or a courtship barrier. So, so they don't flirt the same way, right? They, we started off talking about flirting, so they don't flirt the same way. So they're 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 they don't they're not on the same wavelength. Um, they could also be at different times of the year. So there's all of these even within similar species. So you know, we, um, like wolves are, 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 I mean, dogs are descended from wolves. So actually dogs can back breed with wolves. Um, and people have done that same with do- uh, dogs, and coyotes, right? They call them coy dogs. So in that case, there's no physical behavioral or flirting obstacle. Um, and they're close enough in species that they can reproduce Um, and produce a hybrid called a koi dog. Uh, And so, but a lot of species like dragonflies, each male has a very unique, of each species has a unique structured appendage, let's just say. And it fits like a lock and key with only the female of his same species. So whether or not two dragonflies from different species could fall in love is irrelevant. They can't mate. Right? So right. so no, dogs and cats aren't going to have sex, but they can definitely form strong loving bonding relationships.
1: And so sex is out of the question. Oh yeah. There's even on YouTube there's been no. Okay. Have you seen Pick of the Litter on Netflix? I,
0: I have not.
1: They follow about seven labrador puppies from the time they're born and their competition to become seeing-eye dogs.
2: Oh. And
1: it's adorable. And the dogs you think aren't going to make it to the end. It's, it's, it's. There's one little puppy named Phil who's problematic. Well, I don't want to ruin it for you. Do the dogs, when they're being trained, I mean, it's, it's just so cute. You're just looking at puppies and their their need to please. Do they know what they're doing? Do they know that they're competing? Do they know that they're helping somebody who can't see? Or is it just all muscle memory?
0: No, I mean, they're being trained to respond to certain things and to, I don't know whether they know that they're helping or not. I don't, I i, I really, I don't think that, you know, um, I don't know. I mean, that's an interesting question. Okay. I really don't know the answer to that. It would all just be complete speculation.
1: Here's some questions from our listeners. Uh, This is from Anonymous. Can animals or insects have individual phobias or irrational fears of non-threatening things the rest of their species do not have?
0: Oh, I think so. You know, there's different personality types and there's different sensitivities. And... Um, now, of course, if you are, say, a raven, like the one, the family I was following, their nest was way up on the top of the cell tower. I mean, if you were afraid of heights and you're a raven, <laughs> that's probably problematic. You're not going to really make it. Uh, now, I will say that when I studied prairie dogs, you know, they alarm call in response to predators. And, and there was always at least one, I, call, I called it Nervous Nelly. Anything like a leaf blowing, a leaf blowing in the wind, a piece of paper rustling somewhere, and this prairie dog just lost its mind, alarm calling and a lot, and nobody paid attention to that particular prairie dog because nine times out of ten it was wrong. It was just high, strong, super nervous, um very worried about everything. Now, whether I would, say it doesn't mean it was phobic, right? And mm-hmm. I think for um, now. Now, we know that in rats and in young, um, young monkeys, they don't need to be exposed to a snake to learn that a snake is dangerous. They just need to be exposed to their parent, um, either in utero for rats, or um, if they see their, their for, for the monkeys, if they see their mother, react fearfully to a snake they react fearfully from that point on so we learn a lot of our fears even from our parents and and this is what they learn to be afraid of now we know that there are some if we're not talking about animals that are kept close in close proximity to humans or captive to humans and just in the and, and wild animals that are not interfered with by people you have fewer neuroses than you might have in association with people but dogs in particular many dogs are terrified of lightning storms and you know there's some interpretations to this could be uh, aside from the personality they're really sensitive to different barometric pressure than we are you know that's why they know when storms are coming and um, so and again that's highly variable and it can a lot of things are learned um, and also from experience you know, we develop, I think there was just a study out that um, showed that PTSD really is, is not a mental disorder. It is a, a function of your experience in the world. Wow. Things that happen to you.
1: Okay. Uh, we have Bert Ross who is probably angry at me. American hero Bert Ross. Are you mad at me?
3: I tried to reach you all day. I For some reason, I couldn't find the email you sent. As to whether what time I was on. So, you know, I'm trying to get my day together, and you wouldn't respond to texts or emails or phone calls. I'm sorry. So it's a little weird. I'm sorry. That's not your fault. Communication. You're in the communication business, but it's not your fault. But not, anyway.
1: It's not Hello, my f- David. Hello. B- joining us, Dr. Jen, is American hero oh. and s- sex symbol, Bert Ross.
0: Hi, Bert.
1: He invented... I was arizona hang on let me introduce you he invented the right turn on red in new jersey i'm not making
3: that up i invented and he gets mad I went to florida i went to florida to visit my jewish grandparents my jewish parents I, I, they've they've been considered the grandparents for so long once you have kids then they become the parents become the grandparents and so i was down there and everybody in
1: Florida had the right turn on red so I came back and said let's do that in New Jersey so and for that I invented in the right
3: Florida they have the left turn on red they don't even they don't, they
1: they don't even they don't. have a red in Florida just, what is your question so Dr. Burt Dr. Burt Dr. Jen Bert <laughs> Ross always complains that I don't book him after you yes that he only wants to do oh. the show if you're on so he can ask you questions absolutely do you have time do you have time, Dr. Jen?
0: I do. I always have time for Bert.
1: Bert, what would you Bert like to so ask great. what would you like to ask Dr. Jen?
3: Now is a bird your specialty or, or are you she knows animals? everything? All kinds of them.
1: she knows everything. She can
3: speak by the way, don't be a sexist. Doctor Jen can speak for herself. She is fully capable of of answering tough questions like
0: that. <laughs> okay. Dr. So, Jen? Yeah, yeah. Bert, I would, I would have to say I, I'm an expert in animal behavior, and I've specialized in in social mammals. So, uh, you know, not birds, but I know a lot about birds because uh-huh. uh, they have so much drama in their life that they were featured heavily in both of my books um, on on parenting and in relationships. So... I've read quite a, a lot of research about birds, but I've personally never studied. Well, that's not true. I, I'm studying great horned owls right now, and they're raptors, so they're a little bit different than your average bird.
3: Now, I'm sure you've been asked this because I don't have an original thought in my body, but <laughs> if, you be, if you could be any animal, uh-huh. what animal would you choose to be? Oh, and how, many times have you been, how many times have you been asked that, by the way?
0: i gonna ask that even on this show. I think a long time ago, but hands down, I would be a gorilla. I would want to be a female gorilla because I think male gorillas are super sexy, and that's not weird because I would be a gorilla. Uh, but silverbacks are
3: just. Excuse me. Excuse gosh. me, me. Doctor Jen, for you to say yeah. that you're turned on by male gorillas and, and, and letting us, I didn't letting say us that. just. That's what it sounded like. Uh, I There's a reason. The, I ask was, her
1: why. Ask her why she finds silverbacks so interesting.
3: Why do you find silverbacks so interesting? No, seriously.
1: It's, it's a type of male Chess. that we should emulate.
3: You like a you know, male so- who, bang, who bangs the chest. A chest banger. Well,
0: no, they do not That's not their sort of normal. I mean, they do that, yes, and it's quite amazing the percussion ability. I think just physiologically yeah. is cool, but—but but no, actually, you know, gorillas are are one of the gentlest apes um, around, and they—the silverback male. I mean, he is, you know. Uh, I don't know. You know, when I look in a silverback's eyes or, or any any gorilla, frankly, I just sort of yeah, feel like, yeah. you know, something I want to know, and if I could just hang out with you, this would... It's why I yeah. became a biologist. It's it's uh, to study gorillas, which I, I never got to do, mm. but, mm. Um, yeah.
3: They sure seem a lot nicer than chimps. You know what would happen to me if I beat my chest like the, gor- the male gorilla does? What would happen? I, I would be in the hospital. I'd be in the hospital. <laughs> no no question. No, no. I'd break a couple ribs. I'm Jewish. I, it, it would hurt. It wouldn't be for me. I mean, I, mean,
0: I would say the downside to gorillas is they fart a lot. You know? They have butt burps.
3: Hmm. We We don't, we don't, Dr. Jen. This is a family, <laughs> a family show. Isn't it, David? This is, we don't need to get into flatulence. I, by the way, I, I write a humor column, and so rather than using the word fart, I use flatulence. And uh, I have a, a, a dear friend of mine whose parents were very uh, proper, and they were quite mm-hmm. offended by the by the mm-hmm. use of the word flatulence.
1: Yeah. So I, like I was to use thinking that work. of
3: what? <laughs> yes, I thought. Uh, actually, it reminds me of um, uh, uh, Forrest Gump, who would who would always talk about uh, bottom. And so when I was talking to a high a high school class and and talking about something I did that would upset God, at first he would kick me in, in in the bottom, and then he would uh, when I repeated it, uh, he he decided to kick me in the front bottom, which. Uh, <laughs> so what is your, your
1: anyway. I mean,
3: you,
0: Well, I just I just want to share. You know, there's a turtle that breathes out of its butt. So you know, it's not that offensive of a topic. I mean, that's how. Some animals just survive.
1: A turtle that breathe, breathes? Yes. Out of its butt.
0: And it's critically endangered, so we should. You Good. know It is such. A, what? <laughs> I'm no! kidding. I'm sorry. I didn't it's, say it's, that. It's, it's blowing. It's not blowing smoke out of its butt. <laughs> it's breathing in air. Um, it, it is the uh, white throated uh, turtle.
3: Are We are supposed to be closer to the chimp than the uh, gorilla, in, in evolution, or not?
0: Yeah, so, so our closest living relative is uh, the ch- chimpanzee uh, Well, we're very close to all of them, but closest to chimpanzee
1: Wait, wait, my Aunt Bea oh, Wait a second, my Aunt Beatrice is a chimpanzee?
0: Now, She's my closest living way. relative we have, a, we have our closest common ancestor oh. is uh, between us and chimpanzees
3: And where's the orangutan and all this?
0: So the orangutans split off earlier, um, and uh and so did the gorilla, so if we go back uh-huh. so the the next then there was a common ancestor between chimpanzees and gorillas, and then further back, there was a common ancestor to what is now all of the great apes um, and and orangutans mm-hmm. went off in one direction and oh. then um, and then we have bonobos, right, which I think. Um, yes. I, I, I'm not sure how, cl- you know, it, it's really, really close there, but I think, and I'd have to look at my phylogenetics again to know the exact position on the tree, um, but it's super close between us, common chimpanzee, and bonobos.
1: All right, I'm going to ask. Now, oh, do- go ahead.
3: Okay. Do I know chimps can eat meat. Do any of the other apes eat meat? Yeah,
0: so chimpanzees actually hunt, so they don't just eat meat. They coordinate yes. their hunting. It's, it's, I mean, it's fascinating. Um, but uh, no, gorillas are strict vegetarians. So another reason orangutans, to be a fan. Um, orangutans, they, uh, they are vegetarian. I mean, my guess is they probably eat some insects and maybe eggs, like bird eggs. They could go for some of that. I'm um, not sure. I'd have to, you know, look at the diet list, but it's predominantly vegetarian. And and if gorillas eat insects, it's an accident.
3: So if you put down like a Big Mac in front of a gorilla, he wouldn't eat it?
0: I don't know what they would do, but I would suspect
3: not. That might have been been us originally. We accidentally uh, ate meat and that was the end of it.
1: Yeah, what happens if they do eat meat? If you put meat in their diet, do they get sick?
0: I don't know. They just don't feed them that. <laughs> so, why,
3: why um, don't you? Right. You're supposed to know everything.
0: About I, know they, I know that they don't feed them things that aren't part of their diet. And so, mm. I am not sure that anyone who is any ethics, my guess is they might get a really strong bout of diarrhea, not be able to digest mm. it. I, I'm not sure.
3: Are 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 there any apes that in the ape family that that uh, where there seems to be a pattern of homosexuality?
0: Oh gosh, yeah. I mean, actually, homosexuality is found in every single animal group that exists. Um, bugs are notorious for it. They they males just jump on anything, and then whoops, you're the wrong sex. Um, but but yeah, in in, in in bonobos, you have uh, homosexual behavior is really common among males and. Among females, same in chimpanzees. When they get scared, they grab each other's balls. You know, um, sometimes they mm, do more than that um, as a way to it. Have, I have
3: to tell you, I have to tell you that I've been afraid many times in my life. And I've never grabbed my balls or anybody else's. I mean, well,
0: so it's like their a own. strange thing. <laughs> I've known some Excuse men me? who hold their own. <laughs> Not necessarily when they're scared, but they hold their own, and they like it, and it feels good, and they're comforted. I've known some men who sleep that way, holding their own balls. So I mean, um, you don't have to be scared to, to Dr., hold those. Doctor <laughs> Jen,
3: Doctor Jen, I have, I am, I am blushing, David. <laughs> if there were a camera right now, uh, my cheeks are turning color. You. You have slept with men who hold their balls? Hey, 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 hey. I've known
0: men who've slept. I've had these conversations with men. I didn't say anything oh. about sleeping
3: with those men. Oh, oh. Um, so, you're, you so these are conversations? <laughs> you actually have con- That's even worse. Is it? To be talking I about know. her.
0: I, I mean, because the issue yeah, that shame saying holding... How
3: did- so wait a minute, Can you're having a drink with a guy, Dr. Jen, wait a minute, I, uh, you're having a drink with a guy and you say to him, Harry, <laughs> do you hold your balls when you sleep? This is the kind of conversation you have.
0: No, but Bert, I've had men ask me if other species engage in homosexual behavior, and I quickly <laughs> mention chimps that hold each other's balls, <laughs> and then this is what
3: happens. <laughs> Touche, touche.
1: Dr. Je- Doctor Doctor Jeremy has a question. Doctor Jeremy is a is a botanist, and okay. he has a question. Maybe Bert can help solve this. You're right. Doctor Jeremy writes: Our next door neighbors' dogs are very aggressive, and they bark at us across the fence every time we go outside, and they bark all the time, and they won't stop barking. Even when we talk gently to them, how can we get them to knock it off?
0: They, you can't. It's not about you, right? Uh, they are clearly defending their territory. Their owners haven't trained them to not do that. So I have a friend who, as soon as her dog barks at a, either a stranger coming or you know she is quickly, hey, you know, she doesn't do anything physically to her, but verbally corrects her and will even put her in a crate um, for a timeout or put her inside for a timeout. Like fun time is over if you behave that way. So the dogs are just doing what is natural for them, which is they have decided, rightly so, that that fence is the end of their territory. And different dogs have different levels of territorial behavior. And there's really nothing that you can do. The only thing you could do is make friends with the neighbor and get to know those dogs, right? And then those dogs won't see you as an adversary onto their territory. They know you and have a relationship with you. Um, So, you know, the other thing, which... I'll probably regret it when I say it. Is, you know, you, the dogs come over also to your house, and then now that's their territory, so they won't bark at you anymore, because, you know, but that's probably not accurate. I would just say get to know the dogs, get to know oh, the Oh, well, that is a
1: good answer. Well, hang on. That, so if they're your neighbors.
3: That was very intelligent.
1: Wait, wait, wait. So if you have okay. neighbors and you're getting along and the dog keeps barking, say, why don't you bring the dogs over, have right. them meet my kids, hang out
0: can go over to their house. Like maybe, maybe that's not a bad idea. I don't know. Right. That was just sort of like something that popped into my head is like how to get them to not see you as an adversary and as a, as a encroacher potential encroacher on their territory is to form a relationship with the dog and have them see that you're not a threat. Right. And, and that can be at your house at their house and you know, the more socialized those dogs are with you, the less likely they're going to treat you aggressively.
1: But now they're going to bark because they recognize you and they're saying hello.
0: Well, not all dogs bark when they to just say hello. I mean, they might initially like, hi, but but what it sounds like he was saying is that they're they're barking in a much more, you know, aggressive way. I see. Um, and won't stop barking. So, you know, the dogs might start whining if you don't pay attention to them. And now, you know, it depends on what's more annoying, uh, barking or whining. Uh, But, you know, I think maybe forming a relationship with your neighbors, if you guys get along and getting to know the dogs and having the dogs, even if they never come to your house, you're going over to theirs, then now you're a familiar person and you're not a threat.
1: Somebody writes in, how do monogamous, non-human animal couples relate to each other when they are angry with one another do they Mm. ever give each other the silent treatment or act in passive aggressive ways or are those strictly human behaviors
0: the passive aggressive would would be um mostly human Um, So, if we're talking about monogamous co-equal partnerships, which happen in many other species other than humans, well, actually, I'm not sure that it happens that much in humans. But let's say it happens in other species. Um, So, if there's like, let's say, communication problems, which is pretty common uh, when you uh, in for people. So, there, I forget the name of the birds that I discussed, but but uh, they usually they take turns. They don't sing over each other. But if they start having challenges in their communication, they take a break, right? It's not really the silent treatment. They just sort of, this isn't working. Let's take a break. And then they come back and start singing again. If there's a conflict between uh, partners uh, in general, animals really, really work hard to not have conflict and to resolve conflict quickly because conflict leads to tension. Tension is uncomfortable. Nobody likes it. And it, it breaks down cooperation. Hadn't you noticed? So they resolve it quickly. Now, sometimes there is a little bit of a silent treatment. There's sort of, I'm mad at you, please don't talk to me, but you can sit next to me. I may not be ready. Like there's this primate, um, I believe it's vervet monkeys. They don't form partnerships, but we see similar efforts to resolve conflict quickly in social species, right? So, so they may, uh, no, it was patas monkeys. They may sit next to each other without hugging or touching just yet. Now, in animals that form monogamous long-term partnerships, if there's really conflict, they dissolve the partnership. They break up. Like, so you don't really see a lot of conflict management having to happen in species that form long term monogamous relationships, they do a lot of positive behaviors. So I think there was a study on people, right, that said you got to have 20 positive behaviors to outmatch one negative interaction. What is that? Interaction. What do you mean? Marriage. So there was a famous uh, a researcher um, on marriages and reported that for every negative interaction, you needed 20 positive ones to counteract it. And obviously most of us are failing miserably at that. uh, And this is why we have such a high divorce rate. So in other species that form long-term monogamous partnerships, you don't see many negative interactions. You see a lot of positive behavior, a lot of physical contact, a lot of cooperative behavior, balance in the relationship, division of labor when it comes to raising the kids um it's not always perfect and you do get divorced so the divorce rate varies from species to species and here I'm using divorce in the sense that the partnership ends but if there's a lot of conflict and bickering they just split up they don't waste their time and I don't know why we don't do that (laughs) The, yeah, si- I don't understand
2: that.
1: the silent treatment. I had a friend who was given the silent treatment as a child, and he said mm-hmm. later on in life, his father would say, I, "I never hit you. I never yelled at you. I just gave you the silent treatment." Is the silent treatment a form of abuse?
0: I will. I, I think so, at least in, in in humans. And I will say that animals don't do that. Really, if you are in a partnership and you, even if you have conflict, uh, you don't ignore. Um, your partner, right? So there's always constant communication going on. If you're having miscommunication, you might put a pause on on communication temporarily, but it's not the same thing as a punishing. There's no punishing in long-term monogamous partnerships in other species. Punishing is really um, for despotic relationships, which is power driven And so I I think that a lot of human relationships, romantic ones in particular, are about power over um, each other or uh, not wanting to lose power to another, which does not facilitate good long-term cooperation.
1: Power in terms of what? Keeping them, getting them to do things for you? Yeah,
0: punishing by using things like the silent treatment. There's a difference between... Punishing with silent treatment versus saying, I'm so upset right now. I'm not capable of communicating. If you could please give me an hour or I can talk to you about this uh, this evening or tomorrow morning and you set a, a, a time to come back and communicate. But to give the silent treatment to someone without explanation is a punishing thing. And I don't think we're really trained to communicate well, which is surprising given that we have such a complex language.
1: Are American relationships based on power or just humans? You say that a lot of relationships are based on power. Well, what What is that? How does one exert their power in a relationship?
0: Well, I mean, if we look at, you know, sort of global cultures, many of them are patriarchal versus or matriarchal. There are some that are co-equal, but they're. You know and and they're rarer matriarchal ones tend to be less violent than patriarchal driven societies but it's it's there's a lot of control of movement of individuals um, there's a lot of um, punishment uh, for not behaving in the way that you expect there's control of resources whether in in our contemporary society we would say that's money versus food so um, when
1: we look at I, I don't want to Portray all Republicans as hateful, impotent men, but they are afraid of women. They want to control women. They want to control their bodies. They don't want them working. They that that's a power dynamic. They they view a relationship as it's never co-equal. One person's in charge. Is that? What you're basically saying, not necessarily about Republicans. Well, it's but- a
0: sexual strategy, right? And we see this in other animals that are not coequal monogamous partnerships. Many, many animals, like, have, have uh, mating systems that are similar to that, where males are trying to control access to females. It's a sexual competition. They don't want other males to mate with their females. And you have two ways of doing that. You either control females or you fight males, it's a lot safer to control females than it is to get in a fight with a male. So,
1: so Republicans see, are, are weak. They're weak men.
0: They're afraid of, of losing, uh, of, of other males accessing females, yeah.
1: They're, they're intellectually and physically weak. So they get Only guns. Little. They have to have a gun. <laughs>
0: Human culture is so complicated, you know, and, and our cultural evolution has so outpaced our, our sort of what we're biologically built for. And I think it's a shame. I mean, I think that not many people maybe want partnerships that are monogamous and cooperative, but we don't we don't know how to do that. We 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 our cultural sort of evolution has taken us in all kinds of different directions. And not all of us are built to be monogamous. So we're imposing a cultural norm on on a species, humans, that has such a variety of ways. Um, some people are monogamous. Some people aren't. And we don't really leave room for honesty about that. And some men want to have a harem of females. And some men go, God, that's, that's a lot of work. I don't want that. And, you know, some Doctor, women want multiple males. Yes, Bert.
3: I I was waiting for you to say, "Is Bert still on this show?" And <laughs> that by this time, you miss you miss me.
1: Well, we're going to wrap it up. Bert.
3: Nothing. I, it?
0: I'm sorry. I I do miss you, and I would love to know what you think about this.
3: I uh, I I the thought of a harem, or being a Mormon with many. To me, what do you do on Valentine's Day? To me, it would be, I'd rather go to, to a dentist for a week or work. <laughs> I, I mean, I can't even, I can't the thought of having more than one person to please. I, I'm not even up to the first one, so it's ridiculous. I can't imagine a, a guy who that. We're going to wrap it You don't,
0: it don't up. want to be a silverback gorilla because he doesn't just have to please the ladies on Valentine's Day. He has to take care of them and please them all the time.
3: Oh. All year. Do any animals... Are we the only ones who think of an afterlife? Elephants have burial grounds. I can't answer
0: that. I mean, elephants, I'm not... I wouldn't say afterlife, but they definitely have graveyards, and they go visit the bones of of fellow elephants. Yep,
3: that's for sure.
0: You know, and... But it's it's
3: interesting. I wonder if that isn't... um, If that isn't an arrogance on our part, where we can accept the fact that every animal dies... Uh, We accept that, and yet for us, it's not enough. We have to go that one step in addition and say we have, uh, we're there, we're immortal. Eternity. Uh, And I I think that's um, a bit of a curse. Right. Speaking
1: of eternity, we have to wrap this
0: up. Okay, yes.
1: (laughs) Dr. Jennifer Verdelin is the author of two books, Wild Connection, What Animal Courtship and Mating Tell Us About Human Relationships, as well as Raised by Animals, A Surprising New Science of Animal Family Dynamics with Tried home Lessons from the Wild. Subscribe to Wild Connection TV. She's got a new video up. Dr. Jen has a new video up about animals flirting. And follow Dr. Jennifer Verdolin on Twitter, at Real Dr. Jen. Go to com. Sign up for Dr. Jen's newsletter. Thank you, Dr. Jen. I'm glad you're feeling
3: better.
0: Oh, yeah. I feel amazing. Thank you for having me. Thank Good. you, Bert. I hope I get to talk to you next oh. week.
3: Thank Always you. nice talking to you, Dr. Jen. Glad okay. you're feeling better.
1: And read read, read Bert Ross in the Malibu. Is it
3: the Malibu it's, Times? It's a, this is ridiculous. She had when you send Dr. Jen off, there is a five-minute litany of things that you can see that she's done, that you can read that she's done, that she- that she's produced, and then you say, "And Bert Ross, eh, I have nothing to plug." You're, you're a columnist one for question, the Malibu David. Times. I have, a, I have one question. I have one question. This could be a big money maker. Every, okay, you have all these podcasts. Your podcast goes on for many many hours. How can one if I just wanted to hear Dr. Jeff, today's podcast? Yes. How can I go to that spot without going through 8 hours trying to locate her voice?
1: We timestamp each episode. So you can find But so how does
3: anybody know? How does, how, how it
1: does a listener know? My name
0: know? and it'll it'll take you to the piece that's just me. Right. But you know what? This podcast has so many great people on it. I'm just lucky to be part of it. Me
3: too. So
0: don't skip wait minute, it.
3: Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're yeah. supposed to be off. He he gave you a five oh, I'm minute sorry. farewell. Go. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> I mean, you should be manning the phones for all the people who are, who are watching your shows and everything. Thank, you.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.
3: Thank you. Thank you, Bert. Goodbye, David. Be Bye. well. Be well.